Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another Foul Front podcast. Joining me per usual is my co-host Thomas from Hoka Outdoors. Thomas, how are you doing tonight? Oh, pretty good. Uh, just finished doing some training with Leroy and now getting ready to talk some ducks. So always a good evening when you get to do those two things back to back. What have you been up to? Uh, well, last few days I've been watching some basketball, actually. We've got the have, a, have it on the screen right now on the other screen. So <laughs> uh, my bracket is completely shot, but that's OK. I'd rather, you know, I, I like chaos. <laughs> so Yeah. Cool to see all them I smaller even... teams. I didn't even do one this year. Party foul, kind of. I typically always do one. I just forgot about it this year. I don't think it would have mattered because yeah, I saw I've today never... everyone's bra- everyone's bracket is busted. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've never, I've never got particularly close to getting one right. So, no, I, I've gotten the champion right. Like I picked Kansas last year, and I actually hit that. And then North Carolina a few years ago, but you know, all, all along the way, I missed a bunch of teams that got upset or whatever. So yep. that's just how that goes. But in addition to that, I've been, uh, I've been chasing snow geese basically across the state of Nebraska. You know, one hunt, I was just a stone's throw from Kansas and Missouri. And then another hunt, I wasn't too far from Wyoming. And then another hunt, I was fairly close to Colorado. So just <laughs> kind of going literally all across the state scouting and trying to get on snow geese. And I've shot a total of two, on six hunts. So. <laughs> you know what I find crazy? You travel more for snow geese than you do for ducks. Like, I don't think I've ever heard of you traveling that much in that short of a time span during duck season versus. Well, I mean, these, it's for those old white bastards. You're willing to drive what hundreds of miles. Well, I mean, it's just, it's a lot different style of hunting them. Like, you know, ducks, you only need a couple, like, I have everything I need for ducks. I don't have thousands of snow goose decoys at my disposal. I actually have, uh, I got some socks in the mail this week. So I have a hundred socks now. And then I have two dozen FA full bodies. And then five, is it five dozen? However many silhouettes come in one of those packs. I think it's five dozen. Yeah. No silhouettes. So that's, that's my snow goose spread. And I have one motion decoy that I put silhouettes on. Hmm. I bet you could do a water spread with a water hunt with that spread. I think like late season when the juvies start coming up, 
I'm gonna might try. I've never shot a solo snow goose on an actual snow goose setup. Like I've never done my own snow goose spread by myself and shot oh. a snow goose. So that's if I can get one snow goose like that, that's that's my goal. And if the juvies show up and it's a really nice like windy day when they're flying like ten yards above the ground, it mm-hmm. could get crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I've yet to experience that. So, other well, I guess I I had a good couple good juvie hunts last year, but not on those like really windy days. And that's when you can get the adults into, which is all we have right now is lots of mature snow geese, and the juvies haven't showed up yet. Hmm. It's something I'd like to try, but over here in my neck of the woods, you basically have to go all the way to the coast to hunt them that's the only place that we really get them in virginia so kind of i I was gonna say i've seen people uh i want to say it's like new york um or where the finger lakes is that new york yeah yep that's a big snow goose staging area that's what i've heard my understanding yeah like northeast north carolina is about as far south as they go in this flyway a bunch go down there um some kind of transition through virginia but we don't really have a ton that winter in virginia there's one area in virginia that will get some and then a lot of them stay further up into maryland and delaware these days with as warm as it is most of the time on the east coast yeah it's i mean it's been crazy how we've had them around like across the state since february but there's still like a huge snow line up in the dakota so it's just keeping them down around here like uh-huh. a year it'll be a year ago next weekend it was the opening of turkey season here in nebraska we were shooting juvies and that means the migration is pretty much over like they're the last to you know leave yep and <laughs> it's still mainly adults and they they'll fly north one day and then it, here comes another snowstorm and then they move back south so just a crazy crazy weather you're all together but yeah yeah, I was checking, um, they do that, oh, and I'm blanking on the name of it right now, but um, it's like the satellites that show bird movement. Um, yeah. I think it's through um, the like Cornell Bird Lab, and I was looking at that, and it showed that most of the snows at this point were up in Missouri, Kansas, and Nebraska. So I'm guessing those juvies probably aren't too far south of you, because I think they have pushed out of Arkansas for the most part by now. Man, I I sure hope so. And all all it's gonna take is like a couple couple days of a nice south wind and like fifty, sixty, seventy degree weather, and I think we'll have them. But yep, yeah, I'm 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 anticipating them. You know, I'm I'm ready. Um, and it's snow goose season here. We it only goes to like the first or second week of April, so we don't have a lot of time left. So hopefully they'll make their way up before then. But huh. Have you seen it before where y'all snow goose season is closed and y'all still have huntable numbers of them around? I've seen, so there's like a split halfway in the state or so, and the western part ends like a week early. Oh. And I I personally haven't seen it, but apparently there's, I mean, you'll get those, they call them like isolated juvie pockets that'll still hang around. And I guess after the season is closed, there's been some that show up, but... I, I don't think it's a, you know, a typical occurrence or it happens enough that I don't know. I can't personally say that I've seen it. So gotcha. I mean, they were gone several weeks before season closed across the state last year mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah. I guess y'all's turkeys probably haven't really got started yet. Have they? Uh, actually heard some gobbles last week setting up snow goose decoys. Really? So they're, they're start. I mean, they'll, they'll, and they'll gobble. I mean, I hear them gobble in the fall too. So that, I guess that doesn't really mean they're, you know, getting fired up. But I don't know. I'm ready. I'm ready for turkey season. But since we got our season, you know, knocked down to two, which I was glad to see because turkey numbers are crashing all across the country. But still, <laughs> still excited to get back out there. I just love sitting out in the roost early and, well, not in the roost, I guess, but close. <laughs> It'd be hard. It's hard to get out the, the roost, roost like, Buster. Yeah, I just sit up underneath them with a headlight. They don't care. No. <laughs> well, you can no, shoot them with a rifle in Virginia. So, I mean, that, in Virginia, I guess it's not legal to shoot a rifle up in the air. But, I mean, you can do some pretty 
what would be considered, I think, sketchy in a lot of other places is legal in Virginia for turkeys. Yeah, so, like, you can't shoot them off the roost here in Nebraska unless they're... Or it's like you can't shoot a turkey out of a tree unless it's, like, a half hour after sunrise, which huh. most of them are down. Like, I can't think of one time I've seen a turkey in a tree after sunrise unless something was messed up with it, you know? Yeah. So... But I wouldn't want to shoot a turkey out of a tree anyways. Like, I, you know, I want to see them all strutted up and drumming and just come. I, that's part of the fun. But it, it is fun that's listening. All, that's all of the fun with turkeys. I mean, I love eating wild turkey too. But, I mean, it, they put on the best show in the game. Yeah, it's they're they're fun. It's it's just a fun hunt, all, you know, all, the, all around. And we get wood ducks that will fly up and down the creek. So you hear the wood ducks whistle see some deer usually it's just i don't know it's a surreal experience especially once everything starts greening up and then maybe you'll find some rails and just all those good springtime activities they'll catch coffee in the afternoon yeah it's just a fun time of year to be in the woods i was actually looking for morels yesterday and then today where it's been that warm here in virginia i mean we've had highs in the (laughs) 70s consistent highs in the 60s for about the past two weeks so i still haven't heard a gobble i can't believe it as much as i've been out in the woods working with leroy especially early in the mornings i don't know if they're i'm guessing it's just because we're loud you know when i'm working with them and probably i'm spooking them before i'd ever hear them but it definitely it seems like everything's starting to green up here we should be finding mushrooms soon and we still have a few weeks until turkey season but they should be firing up here before long so is it is it just one turkey um in virginia there we're still three we holy really i mean i'm sure there i'm sure there are people across the state who would say they've seen a decline but we have it i feel like virginia hasn't been one of the states that's really raised the alarm bell like the states that i've heard the most about have been alabama georgia uh, Tennessee, a lot of people were talking about last year, Nebraska. I know Corey went on a road trip down to Nebraska last year, and he said they saw very few turkeys, and they saw more raccoons than he's ever seen before in any other state. Um, Missouri, yeah. like a lot of those k- kind of southern and midwestern states seem to be having problems, but um, here in Virginia, we haven't really seen it yet. I know up in Minnesota, they have incredible numbers. They haven't really seen a decline at all, so... I don't know what it is, but it definitely seems like it's more Southern and Midwestern focused at the moment. I think, I think it's a kind of a death by a thousand cuts kind of deal. I mean, there's a lot of different theories out there. Um, You know, predation, loss of habitat. There's even seed treatment possibly. There's all kinds of, that's the X factor that I've kind of had my eye on. And I have no, nothing scientific or uh, no facts to back it up. I will say I, the anecdotal evidence that I've seen is that um, the sandhill crane numbers in some places where there's really heavy ag around where they um, where they nest. Like I was in Wisconsin this past year and was talking to a couple of people and they said that the sandhill cranes have had really bad reproduction in Wisconsin the last couple of years. And obviously there's a good bit of ag in Wisconsin. So I do wonder if maybe it's something pesticide or seed related because it seems like areas where birds and ag are mixing can be, or anecdotally are kind of hot spots for uh, some issues. Yeah. And we, you know, we don't want to, definitely suggest anything without any scientific evidence to back it up because in nebraska one of the prevailing rumors is all the pheasants got killed off because the turkeys turkeys killed all the pheasants off so really there you'll hear people say that and it's just like (laughs) no that no (laughs) correlation does not equal causation this was back when turkey numbers were very high but the pheasants numbers were going down which also miraculously correlated with corn prices being record highs at the time and all that at you know all that previously on farm ground tape being going into production and small grains going by the wayside in favor of corn and soybean monocultures yeah so yeah and i think the i've heard a lot of i guess not a lot of stuff but i definitely i read a couple things last year where people were suggest suggesting that the uh, neonic stuff 
that they coat seeds with could be a problem for turkeys. But my thinking would be more that it's just the general pesticide use that we see nowadays. And just that, you know, when a turkey or young sandhill crane is just out of the egg, they're eating insects. That's almost 100% of their diet. They're trying to get that high protein diet so that they can grow quick. And when you have less um, insects on the landscape, it's going to cause those birds to have a little bit tougher time growing. And I think really it's like those first 10 days for a lot of, for those turkeys and sandhill cranes when they're really the most vulnerable. So as soon as they can, like, especially for a turkey hop up to that first branch on a tree, it makes their life a heck of a lot easier. Absolutely. I mean, there, I, there's just so much things, you know, that so many things that could go wrong for a, for a young turkey, a young duck. It, it, I mean, there's, we could talk about this on a whole nother podcast too, because it is an interesting topic, just, re, you know, reproduction and survivability and just general population dynamics. But um, <laughs> we better get to the topic of the day before we just <laughs> keep going on. I'm I mean, doing my best to sidetrack us. That's all right. So on the Foul Front podcast group on Facebook, we had a request to do this. And if you guys have any requests for podcasts you want to hear in the future, drop them in there. Um, I think we've got between two and 3,000 people there now. So uh, it's growing fairly, fairly significantly and uh, getting some good activity in there. Always could use more, though. But uh, we've had a couple people have had them message me on Instagram and message in the group. And they want to hear a topic about or a podcast about water swap. So I figured we'd just do a deep dive, flush this thing out and uh, go from there. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure this has been hit on by numerous other podcasts. I know I've made YouTube videos about it. I think you have too, Thomas. Yeah. Um, so as the professional water swatter in the Flyways Collective, I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, no, I figured I figured we'd talk about it, kind of give uh, just, yeah. Go do a deep dive on water swatting. That's a title that I will wear proudly. No shame in that title at all. Yeah, so I guess let's just start start from the basics. Water swatting, um, ground pounding, sluicing, whatever you want to call it. There's a Arkansas. bunch of different... See, I, I've heard Arkansas is shooting them right as they are about, or right as they jump up. Like they're, mm, I, I they're, mean, they're, I'm, they're... Sure, I'm sure some people will tell you that, but I think the majority of times it's used it's probably used to talk about a water swat okay well see there's there's one that i i guess i didn't associate with but uh there's all kinds of different names on it basically it is shooting a sitting duck or goose um typically on the water ground pound obviously if it's in like a field or something or on dry land but there is a lot of in my opinion unnecessary controversy around this uh Contrary to some people's beliefs, it is not illegal in any U.S. state. Other countries I cannot attest to, but there is no law in the United States that prohibits water swatting for ducks and geese. There might be something for upland birds or doves or, yeah, stuff like that. But I, I, think, water, I think water swatting is probably just about tied with shooting out of a boat that you're paddling out of for the thing that most people falsely think is federally illegal. Like I've heard a lot of people say that they think water swatting is federally illegal and that also it's federally prohibited to shoot out of like a kayak that you're paddling or, you know, a boat that's anchored or something like that. For some reason, those two things are some are, I don't know how they got around, but I've heard it out of quite a few people. Well, see, I could, I could get the kayak one because it is illegal to shoot out of a moving boat that was moving because of motorized conveyance. So if you had a motor and if you killed that motor and then like, you're still technically moving yeah, because of that motor, that's illegal. But yeah, so I could, I could see maybe how they got confused on that, but the water swing, I have no clue. Like I can't, and I can't, you know, I don't upland hunt near enough to quote the law here, but um, I want to say there's something on the books in Nebraska about like shooting a pheasant on the ground or maybe a quail. So, hmm, I gotcha. Yeah, that would make sense because I remember. Too. I do I'll remember. Have to double check, but I think I, that's something I remember Elliot talking about a lot in some of his early videos. Because the first season that Elliot was making videos, they didn't. They thought water swatting was illegal, 
Um, and that's because they grew up upland hunting. And I, I think what they said was that uh, it was illegal to shoot upland birds on the ground back then. So they assumed that waterfowl were the same way. Yeah, I, and you know, I guess I could kind of see the reasoning behind upland birds because you know, typically they're in thick cover or you're going to drive down the road and see them in a thicket after a snowstorm. So basically you're road hunting or, well, poaching, I guess I should say, not really road hunting. Um, or you're shooting them into thick cover and you don't know what else is behind there. So you might be shooting hens, could shoot a dog, just... <laughs> Not yep. not ideal. So I, I can see the reasoning behind that. And then, you know, if that leads to confusion on waterfowl, if you're main, you know, you start up as an upland hunter, I could get that. But it isn't water swatting for waterfowl is not illegal in any state. So just put that put that to bed right now. Well, I guess it's still illegal in Hawaii, isn't it? Do they have water? I don't even think they have a waterfowl season in Hawaii. Yeah, that's the. Okay. <laughs> okay, I got you. Although they could, I I would love to shoot a nene, but they get some they get some like pintails and stuff that stop out there. You know, some of the ones they get lost migrating across the Pacific. So I'm sure you could duck hunt out there, but I think we'll have to get a guy from Hawaii to give us a waterfowl update on a future think, podcast. I don't, I don't like. I think you're right. They can't do any hunting out there because they have that protected goose, but. I bet you could find huntable numbers out there. I'm going to, I'm going to reach out. I have some people I know that have like been on stationed out to Hawaii, I believe. Um, okay. So I, I don't think they, I don't think they can waterfowl hunt out there. I'm pretty sure they can't. I believe it's the only state where there's not a waterfowl season, but yeah, um, you know, yeah, there's ask no them what you can't, you know, we can do a podcast on that. Cause we are planning a, you know, hunt podcast tour, interview people from across different states so if you want to do that we'll put a quick plug out for that uh, either message myself or thomas or join the foul front podcast group and you know drop it down let us know a little bit about you i've got a couple i've got i think ohio and iowa and wisconsin already claimed for and it's okay we can do multiple ones too so i'm not really too concerned about that but <laughs> back on track here because <laughs> thomas keeps derailing it um I guess we should probably start with why is water swatting looked down upon? Like where, where does this negative mentality to water swatting start with? And although there's not a concrete definitive answer, the best guess is it goes all the way back to the market hunting days where the guys went out with punt guns. Um, they sometimes in the dead of night, sometimes just, you know, they just basically throw whatever they could in these, four gauge, two gauge, whatever you want to call them, shotguns that were mounted on the front of boats and just sluiced however many waterfowl back in the day, just giant rafts and took out huge numbers of waterfowl at a time. And the negative connotation comes from the guys that were in the duck clubs at the time, the traditionalists, the wing shooters. They believe, you know, shooting a duck or a goose on the wing is the right way, the only way. So that they got that negative mentality and then you, you know, going off that the market hunters did decimate waterfowl populations for a long, long time. So there could be something, you know, that negative connotation as well. So that's, that's the most likely theory I've heard. And, and I could see it. It sounds good to me. I mean, I don't know where else people would have got a negative connotation for water swatting other than maybe, you know, they personally don't want to do it. Yep. And I actually, I'm going to give a super quick plug if I can find the book real quick. There's a really, really good book about, um, what here it is, right? Is this it? Nope. Shoot. Ah, dang it. I didn't mean to derail the conversation. I'll have to, <laughs> oh, The Last of the Market Hunters is a book. Um, you can, I'm sure you can find it anywhere you find books, but it's a great read if you're, wanting to kind of get a better idea about those market hunting days and really the reality of what life as a market hunter looked like and what the industry was based around. Okay. Yeah. And I'd never heard of that. I'll have to check that out. That does sound interesting. I can send it, send it to you. Yeah. Do that. I'll, I need it's a pretty quick read. read. I think it's only 150, 200 pages. Um, and mainly based around 
Market Hunting in the Chesapeake Bay, but really, really good book. I'd uh, say okay. must must read for every waterfowl hunter. Sweet. So check that out. But yeah, so that that's basically this mindset that still carries on in some today about, you know, being negative towards water spotting because Thomas and I both make waterfowl videos. You make, you, you shoot waterfowl one time sitting on the water and I, I don't usually do it. Um, I think I can count on one hand the number of times I do it typically in a year and it's just for different instances. And I'll elaborate on this more towards the end, but uh, there's always that one guy, uh, water swatting, SMH or, you know, whatever. And then there's also the other guys like, why don't you just shoot them on the water instead of yelling at them? I just can't please everyone. So, so I got a quick question for you. Cause okay. I think it's something that's really, um, interesting about this debate is that how, how social media has played into it. Cause I think social media blows a lot of these kind of debates or controversies kind of um, blows them out of proportion in terms of how much disagreement there would be between actual waterfowl hunters. Like it's really easy for someone to get on a keyboard and write and tell you you shouldn't water swap. But the amount of people who would sit in the blind with you and tell you that I think is much, much lower. So I want to ask you, have, have there has there ever been a time where you've been hunting with someone and you water swatted a bird and they said, wait, we don't do that or you shouldn't do that again or something along those lines. No. Um, no, there hasn't, there hasn't been. Um, I'm trying to think. Was no, it something you, that you're, that was kind of frowned upon by your dad or other people who were your hunting mentors growing up? No, not, not really. And granted, you know, my dad wasn't a huge waterfowler. I mean, he did it some but he was more big game hunter um shoot the first goose i shot at was <laughs> sitting on the ground and i missed <laughs> so, oh yeah first duck <laughs> i shot it was on the water i'm pretty sure but you know it, it was just something it's kind of it's it's my own personal preference is mm-hmm. i i like to shoot them in the air that's how i like to do it um and i don't think there's anything wrong with that and i i guess we can get into the so the crux of this argument basically nowadays is ethical versus sporting. You know, the water, the people that water swat argue that it's more ethical because you're shooting at a mostly stationary target, i.e. like kind of like turkey hunting. You're going to shoot them in the head. You, you shouldn't shoot at a running turkey. Now, granted, there's a big difference between a duck and a turkey, but uh, you would say the easier shot, quote, you know, in quotes, would probably be the stationary target with, especially with a shotgun shooting them in the head versus on the wing. So that, that in turn would lead to the, you know, people saying it is more ethical and ethics varies upon the individual. I think there's a loose definition of ethics as waterfowlers that we can all agree upon, but then it, you know, it varies to varying degrees from there. Like there's people that say, hunting with a 28 gauge is unethical or hunting with a 410 for teal is unethical or, you know, that if you're, if you're competent with that, then it's ethical. And, you know, I would disagree. So that is just an example of a disagreement in ethics between myself and another individual. Um, the same thing with water swatting versus flying. I don't, I don't think you can argue it's more ethical to shoot them flying. Granted, you might have a little bigger target while they're in flight, just, surface area there's more vitals exposed versus like if you happen to miss them shooting like at their head you're having to shoot through the wings to even and especially on a goose if you're water swatting and you don't hit the head you might you know you might not i i would hope you can hit a sitting goose but <laughs> I've, I've missed a mallard before sitting on the water so i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna give anyone any flack for that but yeah. If you haven't missed a bird on the water, then you probably haven't water swallowed enough, in my opinion. Um, one thing that I've heard a lot of people say is that when a bird's sitting on the water, its vitals are under the water. And so it's actually less of an exposed target than a flying bird. And my kind of rebuttal to that, I, I don't really think that's necessarily wrong. 
I think it's a little bit misguided because the only way you're going to kill a duck or a goose absolutely stone dead is either a brain shot, a spine shot, or a heart shot. Um, if you shoot it through the lungs, I think most of the time they're going to, you know, the bird would get up and fly away and die within sight of you. But I, I think that lung shot is the one we see most of the time where you you shoot a bird, it flies off for 30 seconds and falls dead out of the sky. Um, yep. So there's really two out of the three vital areas that you have to hit a bird with one pellet or more to kill them stone dead are exposed above the waterline um, when you're shooting at a sitting duck. I really don't think that that kind of heart, lungs, liver, whatever, all the internal organs are as important um, as hitting either the brain or uh, the spine, which with the right pattern density, I think is almost a hundred percent shot in inside the right ranges. And I think there's almost kind of levels to water swatting. And it depends obviously on what choke you're using and um, your shot setup. But I know like for me, if I'm shooting at a bird sitting on the water within 20 yards, I'm going to literally aim at its head. And that's a hundred percent, hundred percent probability shot like that bird. There's no way it's, it's going to get up and fly off. My pattern's too tight at that range, you know, 20 to 30 yards. Now, you know, you might see that bird get up one out of every 10 times, you know, you just don't get that lucky brain or spine shot because your pattern's a little more spread out there. And then 30 to 40 yards, I think is, is starting to push it with water swatting, even um, with a completely open shot with no brush or anything I've had, I'd, I'd say probably, a good handful of birds that I've water swatted at that range where you cover them up with the pattern and they still get up and fly off. Cause you know, obviously you didn't get that brain or the spine shot. You still hit the bird, but um, you didn't get that vital shot. So I'd say my water swatting range personally is like 30 yards and in, but you know, if you're using a tighter choke or you're shooting bismuth number fives or number sixes, I would think you'd be able to reach out there a little bit further um, with more confidence. Yeah, so I'm I'm glad you kind of brought that up. Um, different situations in which to water swat, and that is that is where I fall into. You know, if I have the choice, I'm gonna shoot them on the flushing shot because that's just personal preference. Uh, there are a few exceptions to that. Number one, um, if there's like a species limit. So, for example, across most of the country, the scop limit is one. If you've ever had a flock of scop come in, you know they're usually tight, compact, and there's not like a straggler very often that you can pick out and they dump in without giving you a lot of warning. Yep. So I have no problem waiting for the scop. Like, well, usually I don't have to wait because they just dump in and land in my decoys whenever, you know, they're around. I'll wait and I'll just wait till one separates itself. Usually a nice drake is what I'm trying to wait for. And I'll water swat it when it's far away from the group. So I don't accidentally collateral another one and, you know, uh, be over limit. Cause I don't, I, I would not like to do that. You know, I don't, I don't want to have a ticket. I don't want to do that. Um, so, th so that's one situation. Another situation is um, I, I can think of one, like I was teal hunting last year and I was set up in a stick blind. I built, I had a shooting window in front of me and that's about the only you know, that's, that's where I was gonna, that's where I was planning on the birds to come and land. That's where my decoy spread was. And once you know, it, a blue wing teal lands on the side of me. Um, and this was after I already had one that I tried to shoot on the side and I did not leave a shooting window there. I had a stick that would impede my swing. Uh -oh. so this bird basically landed in that same spot after missing the other one. I was like, okay, I'm going to just shoot this bird on the water because you know, I'm out there and he didn't come right to my decoy spread, but he was still 25, 30 yards. So, you know, I just water swatted him. No big deal. I didn't, you know, I didn't have an issue with it. Um, the other, the third reason I will uh, water swat is typically on divers. Once again, you cannot get them to leave your decoys. They will swim out <laughs> of range, but like you get it, you get a canvas back or a redhead or something dump in, unless you start walking out at them, they will not get up. They would yeah. rather just swim out. So I'll, I'll give them, I usually, you know, I'll give them a couple, like three, three snaps. I like to put my, put my hand up and snap. Seems for whatever reason to get them up or I'll yell, Hey, not Hey bird. Hey, like Jordan always likes to say, <laughs> I don't, I don't do that. Okay. I, I think that's false. I definitely have heard you say, Hey bird. Hey, before I know I say, Hey, or I'll be like, get up, you know, 
anymore though I, I usually put my i put my one hand up and i'll snap my fingers or i'll just have my gun both hands on my gun and i just start if i'm like hunting in cattails i'll just walk right towards them and that usually will get them to flush so that's that's how i do that yeah i see and that i have just a i have a different outlook on birds that have landed in the decoys because i just i've missed them too many times when they get up and fly away like the amount amount of times early on in my first couple years waterfowl hunting where i had a bird come in land you know when you're really new to waterfowl hunting you're slow to get the gun up so i'd you know be slow to get the gun up get the gun up bird flushes and i'd shoot the bird's tail feathers off and it flies away so that right there really early on just turned me off to trying to flush birds back up or giving them the opportunity to flush back up just because that going away shot you know sometimes it's a great shot um, if the bird is kind of going straight up and you can get a good headshot, but if that bird's flying straight away from you, a lot of times you're, um, really only left with shooting it up the butt and, and hopefully breaking a wing. Yeah, that, and that, you know, that's a bad shot. Uh, de- depending at the range, it's, it's, I mean, it still can be lethal, but if it's, you know, if it's pushing range, that's a terrible shot. Shoot them in the back, shoot them in the butt. Cause that bird will probably get hit. But like you said, unless you break a wing, you're not hitting any vitals. The, yep. the heads at that point is protected, and all the other vitals are up front. You're just shooting out at the back. You might break a leg. Um, you're not gonna. You're not gonna bring that bird down. You're kind of. It, it's bad for the resource. Yeah. Uh, so for that reason, you know, that's why some people are against the flushing shots, and I I can understand that. Um, but you also mentioned that sometimes you can miss. You can miss those flushing shots, and that's kind of leads to the sporting aspect like you're giving that bird a fighting chance to get out of the decoy spread alive and you know if maybe you don't even take that shot on the flushing shot you know i've had people say if a bird lands if it lands in your decoy spread it gets a free pass to fly away i've heard that too and that that is like one step past the whole water swatting argument and <laughs> that is i mean that's if that's your rule in the blind that's absolutely fine i mean hunt however you want to within you know legality and ethically that that general rule of ethics that i previously mentioned but we don't need to boil it down to your specific definition of ethics and say if other people do that i have no i don't care if people water swat Okay, I don't I would and we can get all into this a little later, but I would rather see everyone water swat than anyone sky bus. I mean, it, yeah. it's better for the resource um, and you can argue, oh, is this shoot them, shoot them on the flush? I don't care, um, but I'd rather see that than anyone sky bus. And if the, there shouldn't be I mean, we should all be in agreement as waterfowl hunters on that topic like that that's what kind of what i'm saying like this whole broad definition of ethics and then you can water it down to the individual's definition of ethics yeah yeah i think i think the the waterfowling world would be a lot happier place if we were all arguing over water swatting or not based because we all had birds on our decoys instead of you know on some public areas it's just everybody's mad at each other because everybody's shooting at birds that are 60 or 70 yards high. So, yeah, if we all had birds in our decoys all day long and, you know, we were arguing about that back at the parking lot, that'd be a lot lot better situation, I think. Yeah, and so what I like to do, especially with a group, um, you know, I hunt with some guys, they don't care. They, they, they'll water swat, they'll water swat, and some of them aren't the best shots, so I'm okay with them water swatting. <laughs> But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna plenty of fingers out here. But uh so if a couple of ducks come in and they'll they'll you know it's kind of understood at this point where they'll shoot one on the water and then I'll shoot anything that jumps up. Just because that saves me uh, having to yell. And there's also been times where, you know, I've been hunting alone and I'll give them I'll give those birds, I'll try to get them up, but on those windy days birds it's hard to get birds to leave sometimes so you know i'll water swat and i'll miss and then i'll shoot them after the air so if anyone wants to yell at me about water swatting, i'm like that was just the warning shot so <laughs> but <laughs> but i know i i prefer to shoot them in the air um like i said there's there's very specific 
scenarios that I'm not upset to water swap though. I just, I just don't like the taste of blood in my duck. Like if I, and I'm sure when, when I'm talking about water swatting, the 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 water swats that I'm most proud of are, are those ones like inside of twenty yards where you just get that perfect headshot and there's no pellets in the meat. Um, so that's where I'm like just a water. I'm I've almost become a water swatting purist. Like when I when we land birds in the decoys and they flush back up and I see one just get pillowcased at ten yards, it makes me cringe a little bit because I'm just thinking about how that bird could have just been, you know, a perfect pelletless breast. If it had been shot in the head. Sounds like you got uh, too many pellets in your gun, Thomas. Might need to drop (laughs) down a gauge. (laughs) (laughs) But no, no, I I can understand that. And see, that that would be an advantage, I would say, to water swatting is, especially on geese. You know, they got, you know, even if you yell at them so their head sticks up, you've got all that target without any collateral down in the in the breast, down in the meat. So I would say if there's any advantages to water swatting, it's less likelihood of pellets in the meat. Um, Also, it's probably easier. I I don't think anyone would argue with me that it is generally easier to hit a stationary target versus a moving target flying. And for new hunters, it makes duck ID that much easier too. You don't, they don't have to rush their shots and maybe take out a coot or take out a bird. You're not (laughs) supposed to, um, so you can let it sit there. You can kind of, you know, identify the characteristics. And then if you find out, oh, hey, that is a duck. I can shoot that, you know, go from there. So I think there there are definitely advantages to water swatting, particularly for new hunters. Um, personally, I just, I, I don't see why this has to be such a controversy. I mean, it, I get it's the traditionalist versus other people. And it seems like in every niche hobby and everything, there is that traditionalist group, you know, you see, traditional bow hunters versus compound bows versus crossbows versus rifle hunters. I mean, that's just in the deer hunting world. Uh, there's, I'm sure in every, every hobby, there's someone who, you know, there's some traditionalist group or some, they have one thought process and the other thought process isn't wrong or, or is totally wrong to them. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I just don't see why there's so much time spent chiding people for this when it ultimately doesn't matter you're out there duck hunting if they want to shoot a duck on the water or in the air who cares like i said let them get them close let them let them shoot them close let them take high percentage shots i don't think anyone would be opposed if i said hey is it is it would you as a waterfowler rather see people take high percentage shots versus low percentage shots cripple game and possibly ruin hunting for everyone else in the marsh and across the area because of sky busting and educating birds. I don't think any waterfowler is going to be like, no, I'd rather, you know, just have 10 guys and unload on a flock and maybe drop one. I don't think anyone's going to say that. I hope I would hope no one says that. I think you're maybe overestimating the. And I guess people it, it, in general, it, but I no, I, I agree with your point. I think, I think you're right. I think, Nine out of ten people for sure would say would say there's, they agree with that's, that. That's fair. I mean, you've got there's always that one guy's like, well, no, I'd rather I'd rather have long you know long distance shots so I can show off my my shooting abilities and all this other stuff. Like, no, like, okay, yeah, he just wants to be uh, opposed to the gen, you know the general public or the general consensus uh, contrarian. That's yes. For, that's yeah. that's what I was looking for. But yeah, um so I have a question. Would okay. you be opposed to water swatting coots? Like if you saw someone paddling around on your local lake just shooting up rafts of coots, would that be something that would that you would take I don't want to say take offense to because I, I don't think you would take offense to it. Something you would see as problematic. Why are they shooting the coots? I don't know. I mean, are they are they shooting right into the raft? Okay, so so there's some variables here. So I want to patent. I want the country, right? I believe so. Just for simplicity's sake, if it's not, we're going to say it is. Fifteen coots a day across the country. That's what we're going to say it is. I don't 
quote me on that. Check with your own uh, local DNR regulations. But we're going to say it is in this scenario. Okay, so this person's out on a kayak with their shotgun and they're water spotting coots. Are they shooting at an individual coot that's kind of on the periphery of the raft, or are they just pile driving them right in the pot, you know, right in the middle of the raft? And also, why are they shooting the coots? What is their motivation? Well, surprisingly enough, this is actually an anecdotal um, question. Like, I've seen this happen before. I didn't ask them why they were shooting the coots. I was, we were heading somewhere else, but it was a group of guys in kayaks who had surrounded a raft of coots and were, were taking, or were, they were water swatting them. I mean, some of the coots were getting up and flying, but they were, you know, just mopping up a bunch of coots. So I'd assume that they were going to eat them. I don't know. Maybe they were going to pile them on a tailgate and take a picture, but I, I would assume if someone's going to go out and shoot a bunch of coots, it'd be to eat them. That's well, that, okay. That's, that was the answer I was hoping for. Um, not that, because they predate duck nests i absolutely hate that answer like <laughs> people act like they're helping duck populations by shooting a coot no uh, that and that that's a whole nother topic but i absolutely hate that answer for why people shoot coots why do you shoot coots oh well we're helping the duck nest because delta waterfowl put out a video of them eating a canvasback nest years ago that no <sighs> okay i'm gonna i don't want to get on this Has topic i want to get on my soapbox for has it been disproven that they are a, a significant predator of duck nests, though? I mean, even so. I'm not, saying, I, I'm not saying that it's a reason to just go out and massacre coots and not eat them, but... Ex that's and that that's my point. Like, don't act like you're helping duck populations by killing coots. Like, don't use that as your justification. If you want to kill coots and utilize them for their meat or feathers or whatever you want to do with them... That's fine, but don't say, I'm doing this just to help the duck populations. It's not, no, duck populations vary on two things, habitat and nesting conditions. Those are the two main drivers, okay? <laughs> I want to reiterate this point as much as I can because it's the same issue with like shooting hens, all that good stuff. Those are the two main drivers. If by the logic that the people that shoot coots to help duck populations, if we go by that logic, then I'm every largemouth bass I catch, every pike, every muskie, I'm chucking up on the shore because they eat ducklings. So I'm going to help save all the ducks by killing every largemouth bass I catch. No, that's not how that works. Okay? So I, I just I want to put that out there because <laughs> I don't want people just killing for a misguided reason. Like if you're going to utilize them, if you're going to eat them, great. But don't just don't just go out there and kill coots just because you think it's going to help duck populations because it's not <laughs> sorry well, i i derailed it this time but <laughs> You're good no that was very uh, passionate you i mean you just want to protect clarence i understand yes i like i like seeing clarence out in the marsh with me and i like running my coot rafts because no hardly anyone else does so. but, but wouldn't it make it wouldn't it make your coot rafts more effective if they had less natural coots to compete with but if there's no coots, then the ducks want to know what a coot is. Mm, good point. It'd probably be really good for one season. And then it yeah. would not be good yeah, anymore. Exactly. But to answer, I guess, to go back to your question, if they're shooting right into the rafts, I would not condone that. Because, excuse me, because you never know how much, how many of them birds are going to be flying away with shot. I, and you see yeah. ducks raft up and people will do that. Well, it's even even like jump shooting. You know, you jump shoot and you just try to shoot right into the densest, like some people do, like on snowy stuff. Try to shoot right into the wad, and you just let it rip. And then, you, how many of those birds fly away with shot in them that you don't know about? I mean, there shoot. There's Canada geese I've shot, and it, I know it's like I'll be hunting solo. I'll be using my copper plate bismuth, and I'll be skinning, and I'll find like BBs in there or um, you know, other, other shot. Um, we wasn't pulled, it you that found like a rifle? We pulled 22s out of two different geese this year. Yeah. So, uh, well, that one, well, that's highly illegal, but <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I was, I was a little disappointed. Like if you're going to shoot at a goose with a 22, it, it needs to have a band on it at least. Come on. No, we're not even going to condone that. I'm not, I'm not even going to condone that. Cause <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> influence any younger listeners 
But I'm sure people do that too. I mean, there's all kinds of highly illegal. I would say that's highly unethical as well to being highly illegal. Oh, but. yeah. I mean, yeah, breaking multiple laws there. And yeah, I mean, there's been when uh, I did a podcast with uh, Ethan Mathias a while back, and he was telling me a story about how they were snow goose hunting in Arkansas, one of his buddies, and some dude rolled down the road with a 22 and opened up on their snow goose spread and caused a huge, big um, kind of issue. Luckily, no one got shot, but the guy got in a lot of trouble. There, I want to say it was in Canada years ago. Some guy shot at a Canada. It was a guy in a layout blind in a Canada goose spread, and he got shot and died because some guy was driving down the road and shot at it with a rifle. Wow. Stupid, stupid, stupid crap. I can't believe, like, going back to kind of what you mentioned a long time ago already, uh, was Virginia allows rifles for turkey. That that just seems like a terrible idea. Yeah, luckily there hasn't been any big um, accidents or any accidents involving rifles that I've heard of. We've had some accidents in the state involving turkey hunting, but all of it's been shotgun-related that's um, yeah the last few years but yeah i mean it's, it's not a common thing from what i heard you know i've seen a couple of people using them on public land and i've seen a couple of facebook posts in you know three or four years but it's definitely not a common thing i don't yeah i i would never want to do that personally like part of turkey hunting for me is seeing how close you can get them so i want them like in my lap basically you know i shot one at, like he was probably three yards five yards tops he was right there, and that was awesome. Like, you, you hear so, like, you see the, like, minute details of how they move their feathers. Like, yep. almost reminds you, like, one of them velociraptors from Jurassic Park, like, how they can <laughs> move their feathers, like, their scales and stuff. Like, it's so cool. And then all the little vocalizations they make at that range, it is crazy. So, to miss out on that, like, I this whole TSS revolution in turkey hunting and, uh, we're way off topic now, but yeah, that's that you know, one. Is a, that's a them, rabbit trail that goes for a long, long ways. And then we can we hit on, on that because I have, and yeah, that I, one. We're, that's our next one. We're gonna we're gonna hit on reaping and turkey hunting and all this stuff because there's I've got some <laughs> I've got some opinions that we'll talk about here. <laughs> but uh, you know, we'll save that for another day. What else do we need to flush out on uh, on water swatting here? Because we're we're closing in on an hour, so I think that'd probably yeah, be a good good place to start wrapping it up. I mean, here we, we, we talked about ago. we talked about the history. We talked about ethical versus sporting. Uh, flushing them's probably considered more sporting, especially from the traditional standpoint. Ethics, uh, you could argue it's probably most ethical, ethical to water swat. Um, I don't think anyone or most people would probably agree with that. Hitting a stationary target versus moving, um, probably more ethical. Better shot opportunity, once again, kind of varies on the individual, but we're leaning water swatting. Wing shooters versus meat hunters, that that's kind of what's going to dictate your outlook on water swatting. And yep. then uh, less pellets in the meat, that's a, that's a pro for water swatting. So I guess really um, to close this out, it, it, it shouldn't be a controversy. Like it, it seems like a pointless controversy to me. It seems like a needless controversy. Who cares? If if someone's water swatting, let them water swat. I I could absolutely not care any less. I would rather, like I said, and I'm going to reiterate it, and I'll reiterate it again and again and again. I'd rather people water swat than sky bus. I'd rather people take an ethical shot, even if you think. A flushing shot's more ethical for whatever reason over water swatting. It's way more ethical to do either one of those two than it is to sky bus. Yep. So that's, I think that should be the real controversy. We should talk about sky busting. We should talk about taking ethical shots. Um, you know, th- those should be the things that we are actually concerned about, not some kid or some guy or some other person shooting ducks on the water, especially on public land if it's someone who's neighboring you. Let them shoot every duck on the water. I don't care if they shoot six for six on the water and then get out of there. Then I can have a, you know, the rest of the the marsh to myself if I'm if we're the only two groups out there or something. So it, it shouldn't be a controversy. Is basically what I'm saying. Do whatever, however you want to be, but don't.
put the pressure on other people because they're water swatting. If you want to like some friendly chiding, absolutely. You know, it's like the same deal with shooting a hen. You know, you just call them a hen shooter, give them a little crap, but yep. it's, it's not mean. It's not mean spirited. It's you're just teasing them. So yep. it, it shouldn't be a controversy. I don't. Yeah. If you want water swat, water swat. If you don't, don't. If someone else does, who cares? Yeah, that's exactly right. And to kind of loop back to that question I asked you earlier about, have you ever had someone tell you in the blind? I've actually only ever had it happen once. It was my first year waterfowl hunting. I had this little wood duck spot and I'd gone there probably three or four times. And I uh, was talking to someone on the old duck hunting forums and invited them out to the spot. They came out with me and we threw out a, a little spread. It's a, it's just a awesome little um, cypress kind of swamp channel, but we're hunting a hole that's like 20 yards wide. So first pair comes in there, lands at like 10 yards. I water sawed one of them and the dude lost his crap. Like I thought he seemed like a super cool dude up to that point. You know, I met him at the truck. We dropped our kayaks in, paddle in there. Um, and I'm, you know, thinking kind of same as before, you know, the other hunts in there, this is my first season waterfowl hunting. I had had at least one water swat each morning because those wood ducks come screaming through those cypress trees and I'm still super slow. And that dude just lost his stuff. And it just threw me for such a loop because I'd never seen anything like it before. You know, I just, it, it was completely normal for me to water swat at that point. So just don't be that guy. You know, it didn't ruin waterfowl hunting for me. I was right back out there the next weekend, but um, yeah, that guy definitely put a, put a big damper on that morning for me. Cause then I felt like I was treading on glass the rest of the morning, trying not to piss him off. So, um, yeah, just don't be that guy. Yeah, exactly. Like if you don't want to, if you, it boils down to this, if you don't want to water swat, don't water swat. Who cares if someone else does, if people just worry about their own selves, <laughs> the world will be a better place. Honestly, it doesn't matter whatever topic we're talking about. Worry about your own dang self. It's not that complicated. I don't, but particularly in water swatting in this case. So, yeah, I wish I had been a little bit older when that had happened. Cause if that happened the, the, these days, you know, I would just have a adult conversation with someone and be like, why do you have such a problem with this? Like, this is how I see it. How do you see it? But at that point, you know, I'm a 16 year old kid meeting an older guy for them. You know, we're out in the middle of the woods. I'm like, Oh, this guy probably knows more than I do. I should, listen to what he says on that. And you do raise an interesting point there too, um, is to have a discussion. If someone is that opposed to water swatting, have a discussion about to why it's either going to be their upbringing or if it's their preference and that, you know, that's their preference, but they shouldn't be pushing that onto you because it's, yeah, it's not any more unethical or, well, it's, it's not unethical. It's not unethical to shoot them flushing. It's not unethical to shoot them on the water. But they, they, you know, it like we, I want to hammer this home. It's personal preference. That's, that's all it is. There, there shouldn't be a controversy. I, I can't not state that enough. So, <laughs> uh. but I think, I think we've fleshed this topic out enough. And if there's ever a request for another water spotting we will refer video to or podcast. Yeah. Cause this, yeah. Is, this is a topic that like, I feel like we've touched on at least as like a rabbit trail or something else. And at least probably half of our podcast so far. So it's good to finally flesh this one out. And yeah, hopefully I think we need to mix it up a little bit. These like controversies that shouldn't be controversies. They're fun podcasts, but oh, I feel like we could start beating a dead horse if we keep on doing them. I've got one and we can, we can do another podcast on this altogether, but it's a, if you could change one thing in waterfowl hunting, what would you change? We did we we answered this question when we did the podcast with Jordan last fall. I know, but we haven't done it on this one, so does anyone listen to the Duck Gun podcast? Wait, no, we did that on ours. We had Jordan as a as a oh, guest on oh, okay, never on mind. here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my voice is cracking up. I I think it's I think it could be a good topic to talk about once again. No, it is. Yeah. I feel like honestly we should do more than one though. Like it should be what we're, what would be five or 10 changes that you would make to waterfowl hunting. But that might be one more like one that'd be better for like closer to next season. I think actually, no, I'm going to, so I'm going to throw this at foul front waterfowl podcast group. What would, if you could change, I don't know if we asked this already, we're going to make a post though. 
or you're going to drop it in the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast group on Facebook. If you're not there, join it, and you can chime in on this as well. If you could change one thing in waterfowl hunting, what would it be? That would be a, yeah, if we do a post along with it, it would be interesting to go through a bunch I, I, of different... I'm, yeah, I'm curious what everyone thinks, you know, like, because it's one thing for you and I to sit, like, oh, if I if I could do this, you know, this is what I would do, but I, w- I want to hear what everyone else says. Yeah, that'd be, that'd so, be a heck of a lot more interesting. I'd, I'd definitely be game to try it under that light. Yeah, so we'll throw that up uh, probably after this podcast drops, and uh, we'll go from there, but... Like we said, we're about at an hour here. Thank you so much for listening. I am Matt from High Prairie Sportsman on the Foul Front Podcast and my co-host Thomas from Hoke Outdoors. Check out our YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, TikToks, other social medias. TikTok. Oh, okay. Well, I'm boycotting TikTok. That's that's a that's a fair boycott, actually. That is all that we have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. See ya.